Welcome back to the conclusion of the Matter podcast, where we discuss Bible things among three geniuses. No, just kidding. Three, three guys that just sit around and and bounce the scriptures around, and hopefully, I know we learn stuff. Hopefully, you you all glean a little bit. But um, serious in all seriousness, I'm here with my co-hosts uh, Robbie Santiago and Ren Ferguson, and. Um, as Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So as we go through and study God's Word, we want to um, do it to the best of our ability, because we read where in um, oh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, where rightly dividing the word is something that pleases God, and that's what we try to do here. So um, I'm going to kick it over to Ren, and he can start us off. Well, speaking of rightly dividing the word, that goes along with our topic for this podcast. We started, I think, I think, did we do an episode of the Out of Context with all three of us? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've already done one episode along that line, but it's one of those reoccurring segments that we're going to keep doing periodically. So we're going to do another one of those, and we're going to look at three or four passages that are commonly taken out of context, whether it be their immediate context or the general context of their particular book or the overall context of the remainder of Scripture whatever it may be. So we're going to look at some of those passages. We got a couple in Matthew chapter 7, so that's where we're going to start. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, and uh, we're all, everybody, I think everybody on this planet that knows anything about Christianity probably knows Matthew 7 and verse 1, especially if they don't like Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) But They probably don't know where it's at. They just know the words Yeah, that's true, that's true. But it, yeah, yeah. Because Christ says there, judge not that you be not judged. Now to get the overall context of this, this is Christ. The Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. From chapter 5 through what we read in chapter 7, through the end of chapter 7, all part of the same discourse. Uh, When we look at the beginning of chapter 5, we see... It appears that Christ is talking specifically to his disciples, but we know that there are others that are present. And that is also evident at the end of chapter 7 as well. And throughout this throughout this sermon, Christ is correcting a lot of misconceptions, I guess you could say, and misunderstandings that the Jews as a whole had in relation to the law of Moses. I mean, I always think about especially the first half of it, you can really, at least in my opinion, you can really see the emphasis that Christ is placing on the heart through chapter, I mean, it's all throughout chapter 5 and most of, well, actually all of chapter 6 as well. I think that's one of his main points throughout this whole sermon is it's not just what you do, it's your attitude in it. And so in this whole general context in chapter 7, he gets into judging. Uh, because that's something that all people have always done, and it's very easy for us to make quick judgments uh, 
especially about things that we don't really know or understand. And so people will often use this passage and they'll say, well, you can't tell me that what I'm doing is wrong because you're judging and the Bible says you can't judge and all of this other stuff, which I always find ironic because they're judging. Because they're judging. <laughs> and so they're really, Matthew 7 does apply to them. I mean, in its actual context, it applies to them. Uh, but we always need to always get context. Do you all have anything before we start looking at the immediate context? I was just going to uh, bring up the point that last podcast I, podcast I mentioned that English can be a struggle for me at times. But I've, So I've got to get it real simple. Uh, and in verse 1 it says, Judge not, and then there's a comma there, not a period, a comma, which means that it's not the end of a thought. It says, judge not, you could almost insert the word, so that you be not judged. So the point that he's going to continue to make is it's that, you know, if you're going to judge, then make sure that you're being consistent and not hypocritical, which is what I'm sure we're getting into. But if he didn't want people to judge at all, then it would say just judge not, and then there'd be a period there. Mm-hmm. So I've got to boil it down real simple for people <laughs> like me that don't you know, that do not do good with English. Right. I'm from the South. What do you expect? So, Ryan, did you have something? No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, good luck we'll, following we'll, that. We'll get into the immediate context. I may have a few points. But. Uh, but to go along with the point that Robbie was just making, he's saying, judge not that you be not judged, but then he clarifies what he's talking about because in verse 2, he says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So in essence, and I kind of think of, of James chapter 2, I think it's verse 13, mercy. where he says that judgment will be without mercy, mercy to him who yeah. shows no mercy. What Christ is saying here is you, it's not, not, he's not saying that you, it is wrong for you to tell somebody that what they're doing is wrong. But he's telling us you better be careful when you tell somebody that what they're doing is wrong because you're going to be judged according to that if you want to say it, same kind of standard that you hold everybody else to. So you better make sure that you're judging properly if you're going to be passing judgments on anybody. And I think that is becomes more clear as we look at the next few verses. Uh, I was even going to bring up Romans chapter 2. I think the point that he's also making in Matthew chapter 7 is pretty similar. In Romans 2 verse 21, it says, "...you therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself?" You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? So I think that's the point that he's making is, you know, if you're going to tell someone else and you're going to judge someone else about the life that they live, whether that be, you know, stealing or adultery or whatever you want to fill in the blank with, you know, if you're practicing those same things, then Mm -hmm. you're being hypocritical. And that's the same point that he's making in in context in Matthew chapter 7. Right, and even just going back to Romans 2 in verse Mm 1, he states almost, it's almost exactly the way that you just phrased it. Yeah. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, and that's referencing all of the sins that he lists at the end of chapter 1, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Again, when we go back to the context of Matthew chapter 7, that's what he's talking about here, hypocritical judgment, saying, in essence, it's kind of like that old adage, do as I say, not as I do. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, that's almost the epitome of hypocrisy. 
Yeah, I think that I've always viewed it a little differently than that in the fact that he makes a point saying that the spec, the size is different. So to me, it's it's not that you're necessarily doing the same thing, but you're pointing out a little nitpicky thing here when you are maybe right. doing something right. totally outlandish. So I think the concept is there, but I feel like that the point that Christ is bringing out when he, he compares the spec to the log, there's a size difference, and there is a a glaring difference mm-hmm. in maybe the sin. Now, in God's eyes, is a sin a sin? Yes, but I think there are a, <laughs> there are things that are probably easier to fix than other things yeah. that you can't fix, if right. that makes sense. So I, yeah. I almost feel like here he's saying it's like, you're not even remotely yeah. in the same ballpark as this person, and yet you're still mm-hmm. calling them out. Yeah. Now, can you call them out? Sure, but it's like have your house in order is right. what he's getting at. Yeah. And why don't we, because let's ahead, just read, read verses 3 through 5. might make a little more sense with what we were just talking about. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye you hypocrite first take out the log of of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye so again that's a good point that you were just making ryan the uh the size difference if you will and i think that's kind of i mean i don't know this is a thought that i just had so take it with a grain of salt (laughs) Uh, but I guess hypocrisy, if you're judging hypocritically, that magnifies, I think, your own yeah. sin. Mm-hmm. And it, it going back to Romans chapter 2, makes that judgment all the more grievous, if you will. I think another important point, you brought up that the Sermon on the Mount is really the, the broad context here. And then all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he brings up, you know, like prayer, fasting, all of these things. And the point that he's making there is make sure that your motive is a pure motive Mm -hmm. uh, and that you're not doing it for attention. And what a lot of people uh, throughout the New Testament, specifically the Jews, are kind of hammered about this, but I think it's kind of human nature in a sense. Uh, A lot of people will sometimes try to correct someone else to kind of elevate their own status. So they're not doing it with the right mindset or the right heart. And I think that might be a similar point that he's bringing up here too. That yeah. you know you're you're trying to point someone point right. out someone else's flaws when number one, you've got enough to worry about on your yeah. own yard over here, uh, but also you don't have their best interest at heart. You're mm-hmm. just trying to make someone look right. bad. And also, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say where I was. What what I was. I think it came to my mind when one of you two were talking there about. When Christ was talking to the Pharisees about um, straining the gnat and swallowing the camel, <laughs> yeah, yeah. is he was saying that you're paying attention to the, the little things like tithing and whatnot, but you're missing the weightier parts of the law. That's my where I'm coming from mm-hmm. here, saying that there was a size difference, yeah. and, and there's yeah. a weightier matter here that you need to take care of before. Um, and, and Robbie, you said something there. If keeping the context where Ren was saying this whole this whole sermon here is one discourse, mm-hmm. right? And it wasn't too long ago where he said, um, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So kind of like you've got your own yeah. you've got your own stuff to worry about 
and and again, I think you made a you made a point, Ren. We do have a responsibility to to help people and to to point mm-hmm. out that you're probably not living the right way, or you know what I'm saying. Right. We do have the responsibility, right. but we have the responsibility to fix ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what he points out specifically in verse five. He says, "Take the log mm-hmm. out of your own eye," but he doesn't say, "And then leave your brother alone." But he says, so then you, you see will clearly. see clearly yeah. to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He says, get your life right, get your life right first, mm-hmm. and then you can go and correct other people with the little problems that they have in their life. Because while well, I think it was Robbie was talking, I was reminded of Matthew 15, where Christ again is addressing their hypocrisy, and he talks about how the Pharisees would bind these heavy burdens on the people, but they wouldn't lift them Do, with one yeah. of their fingers. Mm-hmm. And to me the i think a a connection between hypocritical judgment is a an attitude of control people who want to control every little thing that you do like the pharisees mm-hmm. did ultimately will become hypocritical in their judgment of you because they're trying to control every little action that you do now Again, that does not mean, as Christ says here, that we have no right or responsibility to warn people when they are doing something that is wrong. Paul, I think, makes that point very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where he says very clearly we are to judge those that are inside, and what he's talking about are those that are members of the church especially, and God will judge those that are outside the church. But we do have a responsibility because in the context, he's talking about that man that was sleeping with his father's wife. He says, you guys don't need to let this keep going on. You guys You're need to... you with- proud about yeah. it. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, in, in another account, John chapter 7, verse 24, when he's talking about judgment, he says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment, which I think you alluded to earlier, Ren, at the beginning is knowing the facts yeah. is, is another important aspect to it. Knowing everything about and don't judge, don't judge a book by its cover, you know that's basically what that means. Yeah, but uh, do you have something? I was just gonna think broadly, like if if nobody was allowed to judge anything whatsoever, then what is the whole purpose of Paul writing all of these letters right. to all of these different churches? Because clearly he would have had to come to certain judgments in order to correct those errors that needed to be corrected. So what's the whole purpose? of, you know, Romans on in, yeah. in the New Testament. Right. So clearly, uh, you know, in context, each of these is talking about hypocrisy. So we need to we need to make sure that we have the right motive, but that doesn't mean that we can't make righteous judgments. Uh, but we want to just make sure that they are according to God's Word and not, mm-hmm. just, not just for the sake of making someone else look bad or correcting them. Yeah. And in verse 6, I know we've been on this one for a little while. We might not get to all four of them. That's fine. That we're supposed to look at. But verse 6, I think, is a really interesting verse. I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. Because in this same context where he's talking about judging, and he moves on to something else starting in chapter 7, or not chapter, verse 7. He says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What do y'all think he's talking about there? I've heard different things. I think I have my opinion of it. Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, I think that um, I don't know. I, I would have yeah. to. I'd, 
you didn't tell me to look at verse six, so I wasn't prepared. Uh, I must admit. Well, we said Matthew seven one through six. Well, we I guess did. we just said verse one, maybe. Yeah, one was the out yeah, of but context we're, verse. But we're talking about the context. context. Verse six is in the context, right? <laughs> Only because they didn't separate it. <laughs> I, I I think. In my study, I think that maybe in the context of judgment and teaching people what is right, my opinion, and I could be wrong on this, but my opinion, I think what he's saying here is there's going to be people who no matter what you do, no matter what correction you might offer them, they'll never listen. And eventually, it's just going to get to a point where you might be kind of wasting your time Mm -hmm. and just let them go. So. Okay, interesting concept. I was thinking that I didn't, because he says, don't give what is holy and don't throw your pearls. And we see that the parable of the of the pearl was the gospel. Yeah. The, the kingdom was considered valuable enough. So yeah. I could see that. I just wasn't tying it back to judging. I was tying yeah. it back to some people may not listen to you from a teaching standpoint. Right. But I, yeah, I guess that. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, I know there's various opinions on that. And I could be wrong, but to me, at least as of right now in my study and understanding, that makes the most sense to me. It does seem like it's he kind of takes a turn here, yeah. but I don't think that that's necessarily the case. The only thing that I was going to say is it's almost like the overall point that he's making is, you know, let your life be the greatest example or the greatest teacher for someone else, not not necessarily your mouth being the one that's doing the correcting. But that's mm. the only thing that yeah. I would add. Yeah, that's interesting, too. I don't know. That's not a doctrinal thing, so we don't have to know what he's talking about. I, I just thought it was bonus interesting for you guys. Yeah, I wanted. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be the next email we get. <laughs> okay, do y'all have anything else on that one? Sorry, I, do I definitely do not on verse six. Okay, so. <laughs> I wasn't trying to like, I don't know, how dare catch you guys off guard or anything. <laughs> Everything in context, right? Yeah, I mean that's what the whole episode's about, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, anyways, y'all have anything else on verses 1 through 5? Nope. Wait, I thought it was 1 through 6 now. Well, you said you didn't have anything else on verse 6. So, yeah. Okay. All right, we're digressing here. So the next passage that we had, which might be the last one that we look at, I don't know. (laughs) We'll come through in the clutch. Yeah, we'll have to see how, how it goes. Is actually the next paragraph if you will that's how it's divided up at least in my bible <laughs> well you're just gonna throw out verse six <laughs> <laughs> one through five seven <laughs> we already talked about verse six yeah uh but starting in verse seven i'll just read verses seven through eleven uh, asking it will be given to you seeking you will find knocking it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be open or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give the good things to those who ask him? How is that typically taken out of context? Well, most people are going to take that and think that literally anything they ask God that he's going to give them, that they yeah. want uh, a new Lamborghini and ask God for it, then poof, Lamborghini yeah. for you. Um, but I, I go back to James 4, 3, where James says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So again, motive here is important. Um, but also, I mean, think if if God were to give everybody literally every single thing that they ever asked for in their life, 
times however many people have ever existed on the earth like that's just not like feasible whatsoever well there isn't any entity that could it would be god but you know realistically speaking it's just impossible Uh, and it also reminds me of when james and john's mother wanted them to sit on the right and and left hand and obviously like jesus rejected that so a lot of it depends on depends on what the situation is number one but not everything that we are going to ask for in our prayers god's going to grant i mean how many prayers have we had that seem to go like unanswered for a time or the answer is no and our natural reaction is to pout about it Um, but instead the point that he's making here is you know had the faith that god is going to fulfill the things that that need to be and that his Mm -hmm. will is going to be done it may not be our will uh, but we do need to have that that level of faith. Yeah. I, I think it ties back to chapter chapter six yeah. because mm-hmm. at the end of that, where he's talking about the necessities of life and people worrying about because the two examples he gives there is bread and fish, which yep. to me is is talking about food necessity. Um, and he said, even even those who are evil will give someone food if they ask for food. Without, I mean, right. So he's He's. If you look at the context, which again, that's the, purpose the whole name of, this, of the series, is that I. I mean, and the broader context, tying it back to chapter six, the necessities and God giving us the necessities if we seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And I think that's continuing here. If you seek, once again, what are we seeking? He yeah. already kind of explained that. Um, and he and and he's talking about knocking and. and the door being opened, I mean, that's a figurative thing as yeah. well, I think. Um, and, Robbie, you kind of hit on the will. I thought about not only Christ's example of praying for the allowing the Father's will to take place and not his own, but when we did the book report in, in on First John, in chapter 5 there, he says, talking about at the end of the book, he talked about the confidence we have that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we, and if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So, again, it's it's that attitude that you alluded to. But also here, I think he's, he's talking about um, seeking the right things. God will reward you with the necessities of yeah. life. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly because, as you pointed out, those are the two things that he— well, the physical necessities is what he points out in verses 9 and 10, but also what he states at the end of verse 11, he will give good things to those who ask him. So he qualifies it by saying things that are good, mm-hmm. to your point, things that are necessary. And I would even say, though he is, I think there's a, a specific application to the physical, I would say there's also a secondary application that we can see, and we see it in other passages, to the spiritual things as well. If we're seeking after him, then he will be found by us. I guess as of the the release of this episode, it would have been a couple weeks ago, we were on Sunday afternoon looking at Paul's message on Mars Hill. And while Paul was delivering that lesson, he tells the people that God desires them to seek after him and he's not, not that, that far, far from any of us. And so, and again... First Chronicles 28, with David's farewell address, if you will, to Solomon. He tells Solomon that if he seeks God, 
he will find them. I mean, there's so many passages in the scriptures, both old and new, that go along to make that same kind of point. And I think we see, again, I think maybe specifically it is those good things, things that are needed, but that's always underlined with Matthew six thirty three, mm-hmm. seeking after those spiritual things. And, of course, he will supply all of those things for us as well. I think the other thing is those three verbs, ask, seek, knock, is, number one, us relying on someone else. Yeah. And that's God in this case, right? It's not, look at me. I don't need anyone's help. No, I need to ask. I need to look for, mm-hmm. and I need to, hey, let me in. Right. I need help. So. Yeah. And putting our trust in him that he will give those things to us. And I think that's another point you you hit on it. If evil people will give good things to their children, how much more would God do for his? And I think we see that is it Luke 8, the parable of the persistent widow? Oh, yeah. Or is it Luke 18? I don't I can't remember. It's I was going to I was going to even bring up in again in Matthew chapter 6 when he's talking about the birds know, and the yeah, yeah, just making sure that you're you're worrying about things that God wants you to worry about, and he's going to take care of all of those things. And, and I think it's in that, that same context that he mentions, you know, for all of these things that you worry about, the Gentiles also do. So kind of the same point that you were mm-hmm. making there. Yeah, it was Luke 18, by the way. Good to know. <laughs> uh, I guess to go along with this one, do you all have more on this specifically? No. no. Okay. Uh, to go along kind of on a same thread as this one, uh, the other one that we were thinking, or one of the other ones that we were thinking about covering is Philippians 4.13. I cannot tell you, and I'm sure you guys can relate, how many times we've been watching a football game or watching a baseball game or something, and we see somebody in the stands that might have Philippians 4.13, or I know uh, there's a, a man in the UFC. His name is John Jones. He's a great fighter. He got all mixed up into a bunch of well, a bunch of stuff that he shouldn't have. But on his chest, he has tattooed on his chest Philippians four thirteen, and it's it, that verse is used. I mean, it reads, "I can do all things through Him who strengthens me." And people again will pluck that out of its context and they'll use it in this a similar sense of, "Well, if God's with me, then I can accomplish whatever it is that I want to accomplish. I can win this fight." or I can win this football game, or whatever. You can, like, turn into Samson or something. Yeah. Start getting superhuman strength. <laughs> I always use the example that, I, I'm for those of you that know me in person, I'm not a very tall person, and no matter how many times I quote this verse, I'm never going to dunk a basketball without some sort <laughs> of help from a trampoline or a lowered rim. It's just not it, – it's not – to your point, it's like I can do anything physically that I yeah. want. Now, do I think, do I think um, God helps me to accomplish things and do things? I do, yeah. But um, again, that's not the context of this passage either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, kind of going back to what we were just talking about, God helps us in providing for our needs through our work, through our jobs. Mm -hmm. And I guess in that sense, well, actually it is in that sense that Paul is talking about in the context of that, very similar at least. In that sense, yes, we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me because ultimately it's God that 
provides all right. of those things, and He just works through us to provide gives it. Gives you the talents, for us. He gives you yeah. the ability, and He's not going to plop it in our lap. You know, yeah. it's 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 kind of that He'll help those that, and I know this is not in the Bible, but He'll help those that help right. themselves. I've heard, and He expects us to yeah. to to if do. Man stuff. doesn't work. Yeah. You should eat. Yeah, and that's why I work because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like to eat. <laughs> and, yeah, I was even going to bring up that, you know, in context there, like you think of all of the things that Paul went through in his life yeah. and all the different hardships that he did. The point that he's making is, look, it didn't matter if it was rain or shine. It didn't matter what kind of circumstances were surrounding me that I was content because uh, because I had faith in Christ that he would be able to uh, to encourage me to persevere through those things. So it wasn't that like, you know, God was filling Paul with this like superhuman strength necessarily or mm-hmm. anything like that. It was it was that he was you know just like we we've done a few podcasts on this that you know we're going to go through pain and suffering yeah. and hard times. Without Christ, it's going to be a lot harder to go right. through those things, and that's the point that Paul's making is it's because of of what Christ has done for us, and that's what motivates motivates Paul and motivates us to persevere through hard times, but also be thankful and. Uh, for all of the blessings and the good times that God yeah. sends our way. Right. I, I mean, you, you talk about the immediate context there, that being content, it was something he said he had to learn. Mm-hmm. And that Christ gave him the ability or the, I guess, the persistence to allow him to learn that, right? He gave yep. him, he helped him learn that. I have no doubt that that, that is what he's referring to. And you, you stop and think about, Second Corinthians chapter twelve, where he says he pleaded for Christ to remove the thorn, um, the thorn of the flesh, and the answer was, "My grace is sufficient for you." And what does Paul say? He says, "Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong." Very, very similar message to what he was saying there mm-hmm. in Philippians chapter 4 yeah. is that it's through that power of Christ that he's able to deal with the bad stuff and yeah. know that there's um, greater things coming than what this earth provides. Mm-hmm. It was kind of ironic, too, that the verse that you talked about, uh, the thorn in the side, and you know, Paul's sitting there like, man, all of this is killing me. You know, that's something that he asked for, for that to be mm-hmm. removed. And so that's kind of, yeah. ironically enough, kind of answers the Didn't, other one yeah. out of context yeah, that we talked about, right. too. But yeah. Sorry for interrupting you. Oh, no, you're good. I, I was just going to say that I like the point that you made about that was something that he had to learn. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, we always look at the things that Paul suffered, but think about his life before he became a Christian. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I mean, we don't know the full story, but obviously he was in a well-off a, position, yeah, well-off yeah. position, and he gave up all of those things. So learning to be content and learning to depend on Christ in those situations where he didn't have maybe everything that he needed or especially what he wanted, wanted yeah. would, certainly would have been a learning curve. And, and that's something that we all have to yeah, learn. Yeah, and I think it's even more powerful when you look at the earlier chapters in Philippians where he called... Everything he gave up, he counted it as trash yeah. or rubbish or dung, whichever version yeah. you're looking at, because it was his attitude, right? And again, it was through Christ and the strength he provided, he was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, y'all have anything else on Philippians? I wish I could dunk, but I never will. Yeah. 
Well, I think there's places, there's some, there's some obscure countries that'll make your legs longer. You could use stilts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's That's still an aid. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Still Okay, anyways, we're kind (laughs) of, do y'all have anything else on those? No. 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 Okay. Y'all want to stop here and save the other one for the next episode? That's fine. Okay. All right. Well, we hope that this has been beneficial maybe slightly entertaining at some points, but we hope that uh, it has put these scriptures back in context. It's always important. I know we hammer it all the time, but context, context, context. Anytime we are trying to understand what a verse is teaching or the proper interpretation or sense in which it is being used, we always need to look at the context because it's so easy to proof text, it's so easy to to grab a verse and remove it from its context and twist it to mean something that it does not mean, which Peter warns against in Second Peter 3 and verse 16. And so we always need to be diligent in keeping those things in context. As we mentioned before, if you ever have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to reach out to us via email, Facebook, or in person, text us, call us, whatever. Uh, we'd ha- be happy to answer those questions or to do an episode on a topic that you might uh, request of us. But for now, we can call that the conclusion Conclusion of of the matter. matter.